This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Would you turn with me to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans chapter 12. Recently, we were in chapter 6 and 7 of Romans, where we learn the difference between the flesh and the old nature. Do you remember that? When you and I trusted Christ at salvation, he put the old man to death. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So why am I still tempted with sin? Why do I react in fleshly ways in my interaction with other people? Well, it's because of this flesh. Uh, Someday we're going to get a glorified body where the very presence of sin will be gone forever. Amen? But when I got saved, I didn't get new flesh. I got a new nature, but I didn't get new flesh. And by the way, I didn't get a new mind. But the mind can change if I allow it to be renewed by the Word of God. And so Romans teaches us about our salvation. It's it's the theology of our salvation. Uh, It reminds us that we're all sinners. Uh, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But how the Lord rectified that by sending Jesus. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we're told, again, chapter 6 and 7, what happens when we put our faith in Christ. Repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and we're told that we get that new nature, we're dead indeed unto sin and alive unto Christ. Uh, all that wonderful truth, and yet, in our members, there is still a law of nature, just like the law of gravity. Uh, the law of thermodynamics, only this law functions inside us, and it's the law of sin. And if the Holy Spirit is not in control, the law of sin is going to take over. Uh, And I get encouraged when I read the words of the Apostle Paul, who said, O wretched man that I am. Well, that makes me understand that I'm in good company. I have the same flesh that Paul had, and Paul had the same flesh that I now have, right? All right, however, I don't have to yield to that flesh. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. So when we come to this matter of unity in the body of Christ, we are unified positionally. And we saw that early on. But our focus now needs to be yielding to the Spirit of Christ living inside us so that the fruit of the Spirit can be exercised in our lives and that will govern how we interact with each other in the household of faith and the result will be unity. But in Romans chapter 12, we're told to give ourselves as living sacrifices to the Lord. To have renewed minds. Let our minds be saturated with the word of God. And then 
Once we are in a place where we're yielded to the Spirit of God, He controls us, then there are some things that we also need to let Him work out in us so that there is unity in Christ's body. I'm guessing that if you've been saved any length of time and you've been a part of a New Testament local church like this one, you've seen both unity and disunity. All right? Why? Because uh, Christians with the flesh go to church. A lot of them in the flesh don't go to church. Okay? But if you find a perfect church, don't join it. Okay? Um, none of us are perfect. But we can be like Christ, and He is. And so what are the things that we need to add to our lives? What actions should we commit ourselves to in order to contribute to unity in the body of Christ? Well, Romans 12, look at verse 9. Let me review these quickly. Verse 9, let love be without dissimulation, without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. So first of all, follow the leave-cleave principle. Remember, we looked at that. Uh, for a marriage to be strong, a husband and wife leave anything that threatens that marriage, including other competitors. All right? We, uh, we turn from all else to cleave to our spouse. And for there to be unity in the body of Christ, we leave anything that's a threat to us spiritually, we, we turn from sin, we cleave unto Christ, and that brings unity in the body. Secondly, verse 10, we need to think like the family that we are. Verse 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. We need to honor others above ourselves. We need to consider them to be more important than ourselves. So think like the family we are. Do you think like the family of God? I think most here this morning would say, I'm a Christian. But do you realize you're part of a family? You're part of the body of Christ. Do you think that way? And then number three... For there to be unity, we need to serve with fervency. Verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Is your service to the Lord with all your heart. Is that the way you serve? Uh, churches survive difficulty, trouble, because there are those in the church that are fervent and are not going to quit. No matter what happens, they're not going to quit. Thank God for the faithful service of many in this church. 50 years. And there are a number here that were here for most of that. You didn't quit. You continued to serve the Lord. Number four, persist in confident hope. Persist in confident hope. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Again, this idea 
that you just continue to serve the Lord. Uh, you do your service as unto the Lord, not unto men, and you persist. Next, number five, fellowship through hospitality. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Do you know that there is the gift, the spiritual gift of hospitality? And most folks, when, when a pastor says that, they can maybe even think of some in their church, if they're, again, faithfully serving, involved, active in the church, they can think about folks that have that gift, the gift of hospitality. But do you know that God wants all of us to practice that? In fact, the qualification for a pastor, he's got to be given to hospitality. And so we fellowship through that. And that brings unity. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We need to be willing to invite someone to our home or out to eat with us if God lays them on your heart. Uh, you need to be looking for those who look like they need encouragement and come alongside, spend time with them, fellowship with them. Food helps. All right. Number six is where we're going to pick up. There are three more that we're going to look at today in the time we have remaining. These are new. Again, I want to encourage you, if you have not heard the previous two messages, go back. We looked at these in detail. But the sixth action that we must do, we must participate in, in order for there to be unity, and I think probably this is one that is uh, just so important because lots of times this is where the disunity starts. I'm going to give you the point, and then we're going to see it in the verse. Bless those who trouble you. Bless those who trouble you. Look at verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Let me ask you a question. Those who persecute you in the context, is this speaking about Christians or unbelievers? Think about it. What's the context? Is, this, is Paul referring to Christians who may be persecuting you or unbelievers in this context? Not a trick question. It's talking about Christians. To live above with those we love, that will be glory. To live below with those that we know, that's a different story. <laughs> okay? It's talking about Christians. Can a Christian give another Christian a hard time? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Can this Christian give you a hard time? If... This Christian isn't controlled by the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. All right? And so bless those who trouble you. Our examination of the, this verse has to begin with the question, who is this speaking of? Who's troubling the believers? And the answer is other professing Christians. Now, what is the tool the devil most often uses to cause disunity in a church? 
He uses flesh-controlled Christians. How much of your New Testament was written to Christians who weren't acting like it? And by their very behavior, they were threatening unity in their church. Think about the church at Corinth. Think about some of those other churches. Christians can say critical things about other saints. They'll look for negative things in the church to complain about. They'll gripe about decisions other Christians have made who are trying to please the Lord. If you want to stay encouraged, maybe you'll find yourself trying to avoid these people. Now, you shouldn't, and we're going to see some help from the Scripture here about this, uh, but there are those that are just negative. Now, how should those who want unity respond to these kinds of believers? The word bless in the Greek is where we get our English word. I'm glad you're sitting down. Do you know where we get our, what English word we get from this word bless? If you saw it in the Greek language, it's eulogize. Now let that sink in. Okay. It literally means to speak well of, to praise, to eulogize. I've been to a lot of funerals. And even if he was a scoundrel, they get up and they try to think of something nice to say about him. Okay? I don't know that I've ever read an obituary where it says he was born on this day and the rat died on this day. <laughs> I, I've never read that. Okay? And, and so even in those settings... Everybody gathers and they try to encourage the family and, and they try to think of nice things to say. They eulogize. Now what the scripture here is teaching us is this. And spirit-filled Christians can do this. Look for legitimate ways to praise them and give thanks for them. Now, that will disarm them. Ah, they're complaining. You know, I thank God for you. You do? Yeah. Yeah, I thank God for you. And, and I'm going to consider what you're saying to see if it's of the Holy Spirit, if there's something that we need to change here. I appreciate that you're willing to express your concern. And the verse goes on to say, and don't curse them. That means don't say anything calling for their judgment or hurt. Does that help? Why are you so negative? The Lord says eulogize. Someone might be thinking, Paul, you can't be serious. Actually, do you know that he's quoting the Savior in places like Matthew 5.44 and Luke 6.28? Sermon on the Mount. Do good unto them who hate you. When men say, all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice. 
Now, obviously, a troublemaker in the church is flesh controlled, but verse 14 will test whether you and I are spirit controlled in our response to them and whether we're focused on unity. We'll have to have the Holy Spirit's help to take this action, right? You can simply say to a complainer, have you prayed about that? Let's, let's go to the Lord and let's pray about this right now. Would you, would you join me, brother? Would you join me, sister? Let's, let's talk to the Lord about this. It's important that we pause here and see the big picture. The apostle is not negating other New Testament admonitions. Like Titus 3.10, a man that is a heretic, a divisive individual after the first and second admonition, after first and second warnings, the scripture says reject, and that word means to shun or avoid them. If they are really trying to just stir up trouble, the first response needs to be where you're looking for ways that you can give praise, encourage, a spiritual response. If the negativity continues, you can say, that, you know, we, we prayed about this. We, we talked about this. We went to the scripture together about this. Why are you still hanging on to that? Do you realize that this is a divisive thing? And then after the initial response for unity that we see here in the text, then after two or three warnings, passages like Matthew 18 help us with this, then you avoid them. If warning a divisive individual doesn't work, Romans 16, 17, this same letter, Tells us what to do next. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. And again, same word, avoid them, shun them. Now, I believe God is saying, activate your feet, but not your mouth. It's so easy to want to respond the same way they're coming at us. Or... They're being critical. Well, okay, so we'll be critical of you. That's, that's not of the Lord. Did you realize that church unity is a doctrinal matter? Troublemakers are going against sound doctrine. So I believe the point of Romans 12, 14 is that we look for ways to praise those who threaten unity as we also warn them. A flesh response to a flesh response is not going to help. If others are involved in trying to help the troublemaker, those conversations should never involve gossip or calling uh, uh, to fellow believers or, or calling judgment or hurt on those fellow believers. How is you, unity maintained in the body of Christ? Bless fellow Christians who trouble you, but don't declare a curse on them. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you, don't raise your hands, please, have ever thought about that in light of this text? Can I just be honest with you? I hadn't. I hadn't. But I'm thankful for this wonderful help. Now, unity in Christ's body requires we follow the leave cleave principle, uh, that we follow the other things that are mentioned in this text. But let's move on to the next one. Look at Romans 12, 15. The next action that is necessary 
for there to be unity in the body of Christ. Look at what verse 15 says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Here's the point. Genuinely enter into the emotions of others. Let me say it again, genuinely enter into the emotions of others. Now, obviously, emotions that please the Lord. Did God make us to sorrow, yes or no? Did he make us to sorrow, yes or no? Yes, he did. Jesus wept. Did he make us to rejoice? And, and according to Philippians, we should be doing that all the time. So yes, but we, when it comes to those emotions that other brothers and sisters in Christ are experiencing, I need to enter into that genuinely to lift their spirits or to help with a burden. Now here the Holy Spirit is calling us beyond the handshake or the pat on the back. We've got to be careful that we're spirit control. Our unity is not formality. How are you, brother? I've had people do this. I, I'm not referring to anyone here because I, but I, brother, how you doing? And then they're off down the hallway. They, they never stop for my answer. I'm great. formality. That's not what this is talking about. True unity requires we engage emotionally with the rejoicing and sorrows of brothers and sisters in the Lord. We feel deeply their burdens and their blessings. Paul mentions this when helping the church in Philippi with their unity. Would you turn over real quick, Philippians chapter 2. Notice verses 1 and 2. Philippians 2, 1 and 2. Same theme, same teaching, but to that church at Philippi, he says this. If there be therefore any consolation, that's the word for exhortation, affirmation in Christ. You know, when we're together, we should be declaring the word of God to each other. How you doing? Well, I'm, I'm struggling. What, what, what are you struggling with? And, and have you thought about this text? You don't have to be depressed. Uh, that's hopelessness. We have Christ. We are in Christ. Job didn't have a reason to be hopeless. You don't have a reason to be hopeless. Because we know God. But if there's any consolation, exhortation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, and, and here's what Paul says that is consistent with what we're talking about here. Listen to this. If any bowels and mercies. Heard one preacher one time, and the whole message that he preached was, you need to have good bowels. Now he had the attention of everybody in the place. But what he's referring to, what Paul's referring to is when someone rejoices or someone is hurting, you need to feel it in your gut. You need to feel it right here. 
when Paul talks to the churches, there's a couple different times where he uses the same expression when he talks about his love for them. When he thought about those, those believers in those churches, he felt it here. It just, it got hold of him. Okay? If you ever seen something, witnessed something, heard something that, and, and we use the it, it just, when I saw it, it made me sick. Well, what are you, I felt it here. And so in the context and in this verse, uh, we should feel it in our very core. Someone is rejoicing or someone is hurting. And so Paul goes on, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. What a great unity passage. Now, how is this possible? Can I give you some practical help quickly this morning? The most obvious thing here is be spirit-controlled because this is His fruit in you. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace. And so if I'm spirit-controlled, when I hear about someone else's great burden, maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe they've just got it, uh, they've just received some really hard medical news. Is the Lord concerned about that? Absolutely. And when the Holy Spirit responds to that, if you're yielded to Him, you'll respond to that as well. What if one of our families, a family member, is away from the Lord? It shouldn't be that you have experienced the same thing so that you can sympathize. Now, many of us in that situation can sympathize. And, and the Lord can use that experience as well. But first of all, be spirit-controlled. Especially love. No, secondly... Put yourself in the shoes of others. You need to put yourself in their place. How would you be doing if you were going through the trial that they're going through? Or how would you be doing if you just received the blessing that they've received? And by the way, a spirit-controlled person rejoices in it. Look what your God did for you. He's my God too. Hallelujah. Not, well, I wish I'd get that kind of a break. No, no, no. We, we rejoice with them. Put yourself in their shoes. Third, this is obvious, but be informed and then also be willing to share. Sometimes Christians get tired of hearing Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But as you see, and I'm paraphrasing, as you see the day of the Lord approaching, you need to assemble even more. We're a New Testament church. How often did the New Testament believers get together? Well, in those early chapters in Acts, they were up on the Temple Mount every single day encouraging each other. But what is the whole point of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25? 
If you back up, and I believe it's verse 23, provoke one another to love and to good works. It fits right in with what we're talking about here. How do you provoke one another to love and good works if you're not ever with them? How are you going to know how to rejoice with those rejoice, weep with them that mourn with those that mourn, if you don't know what they're going through? Now let, let me, again, <laughs> I don't, I'm not meddling here, okay? But God gave you a church family so we can pray for your needs too. And so please inform us. Now there... The, Understandably, there are things that you just, it's sensitive, you, you don't want that out. All right, that's fine. But probably you know about you sisters in Christ, some other sisters in Christ who walk with God, who can keep a confidence, who know how to pray. Just, just talk to a couple of them and say, hey, I'm going through this, will you pray? Men, same thing, I'm going through this. Will you pray? Because this is a command. We're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, but we can't do it if we are never told. So be informed and be willing to share. And then finally, unity in Christ's body necessitates that we always be unity conscious. Look at verse 16. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Always be unity conscious. What a great verse. Those who are unity conscious will look for agreement when discussing opinions and problems. So take a close look. Be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things. This is just another way of saying, don't overthink it. Well, I've got this Bible college training. I, I've read this book. And, and so you need to listen because I'm going to inform you. Well, God maybe taught you some things. Maybe he's, he's shown you something from his word. But look for, in that discussion, areas where you can agree. And remember, this is, our, this is what we rally around. All right? Because this is the only thing infallible. My opinions, my thinking is fallible. And so is yours unless we can support it from Scripture. Don't emphasize the differences. Look for agreement. You may be right about something and even have a better idea. But through the Holy Spirit, have a spirit of unity and let the Spirit of God win others over to your point if it is His will. Now, that was a mouthful. But when we're discussing a problem, we need to be listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Not who's making the better argument. What does God want? Where, where in his word can we find agreement? And let's go there. Let's discuss it on that basis. Now obviously, you're already ahead of me on this, we must agree on fundamental, foundational doctrine, right? 
we're not going to try to rethink the Trinity or the virgin birth. There's, there's no room for discussion on that. It's what God says. And if you want a human reason how it makes sense, that's gonna, those are questions that are going to gender strife. Uh, trying to uh, find the, that happy medium between free will and sovereignty. Okay? I'm so looking forward to the Lord coming back because that's going away. Call it Calvinism, whatever you want. Uh, but that's the mind of God, and, and God sees all that clearly, and I just need to agree with God. All right? But we need to be focused on unity, unity conscious. All right? Look back at verse 16. So if a fellow believer doesn't have the same background, education, knowledge that you do, still be contented to hear them out. If they're lower estate, maybe don't have the education you do, whatever, okay? Be contented to hear them out for the sake of unity. You can tell a lot about a church at a business meeting. And there are business meetings where somebody will make a comment and the church smiles and what are they talking about? But nobody says that. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, sometimes in business meetings, the obvious is stated. I remember years ago in another ministry. And I, and I had to be careful. We were thinking about buying a vehicle. And, you know, some of the questions amounted to, does it have all the tires? And when you're the pastor leading that business meeting, you smile and say, yes, we've, we've checked on that. It's got all its tires. Any other questions? Now, that's, that's silly, but that's the point. Everyone gets to share. Okay? We don't look down on that. We, we, we strive for unity. And then the end of verse 16, always guard against the flesh tendency to allow, allow pride to infect our opinions. Remember that in the church, you don't have to win in a discussion, in a debate, certainly in an argument, okay? God's got to win that. For the sake of unity, God's got to win. And so where do we turn for help with that? I need to be yielded to the Spirit of God, and then we need to find what has the Spirit of God said about that and just agree on that. That's where our unity comes from. So let's review as we close. Again, I encourage you, if you haven't heard the other messages, go back, please, for the sake of the unity of your church, go back and listen. Even if you were a part of those services, go back, listen again. Unity in Christ's body requires we follow the leave-cleave principle. If anyone is in sin, we need to trust God and trust the church to pray for them, to try to help them come back 
Don't try to hide it. That is not going to help unity. Then think like the family that we are, preferring one another. Serve with fervency. Persist in confident hope. Fellowship through hospitality. Bless those who trouble you. Genuinely enter into the emotions of others and always be unity conscious. With as much as lieth in you, dwell in unity. Brethren, if these things be in you and abound, God will unify the flock here at Good News. We're the army of Christ and we need to be unified if we're going to win anything for Him. If we neglect any of these things, we give Satan an opportunity to divide us, hurt our light for Christ, and cause God's great name not to receive the glory that he is worthy of and the praise. So as you pray weekly, daily, pray that God will unify Good News Baptist Church. And then... Practice these things so that we experience his unity here. Let's pray. Father, can't help but look at a text like this and remember the words of our Savior as he spoke to the disciples and then prayed for the disciples. And as he prayed for the disciples, he said to you, Father, Help them to be one as we are one. And so I would echo, repeat that prayer. Father, would you make us one even as the Godhead is one? So that you're glorified, so that this is a healthy body that is meeting the needs within the assembly as we also serve you in these very dark days. Help us to remember Romans chapter 12. And Lord, any time that there, there seems to be disagreement even, that we would quickly run to this text, review, make sure that we're surrendered to you, and then, Lord, would you use us to be a unifying force through your spirit in this local church. Thank you for the unifiers who are here. Those that have a heart for you, those who serve fervently, those who will go out of their way to check on the needs of another brother or sister in Christ. And thank you for those that pray earnestly for those who not only rejoice, but those who hurt. Lord, help us to reflect your unity. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. 
May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.